Welcome to the Memorial Sermon Podcast. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your walk with God and drive you closer to Jesus. For more information about our church, visit mbcmetairie.org. Now, here's this week's message. All right, if you got your Bibles today, I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts. Book of Acts, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 13. And uh, as you're making your way there, I want to welcome everybody that's joining uh, with us online. I want to welcome you in the house, but definitely welcome those that are joining with us online as well. Uh, if you have the opportunity on Facebook or YouTube, I want to encourage you to give us a thumbs up and to share and like our, um, our, the stuff that we're putting out because every week, our contact goes out to hundreds, if not thousands of people, uh, mostly in the United States, but from, from time to time, we get people from even all over the world uh, that, will, um, that will join in. And so I want to encourage you to share our time together if you have your phone uh, this morning. Uh, also, something that I've given you in, in, um, that goes along with your notes this morning has been a small group discussion guide. And so that small group discussion guide, we just want to give you an opportunity, not just to come and hear the word, but to actually be able to discuss the word. And so you could do that with your husband, your wife, you could do it with a, a friend, you could do it in a small group, you can do it around a cup of coffee. We, we just want to give you that opportunity uh, to do that with some folks. Now, now today I want to talk to us about the dangers of going along with popular opinion as it relates to our faith. And so we're going to be here in just a minute. We're going to be in Acts chapter 14, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 20. Now, we know that popular opinion, I think all of us kind of watch the news. All, all of us know that popular opinion can be skewed, right? Popular opinion doesn't always represent the truth. I think there's no time like the present that we, that we absolutely understand that. But, but as, as Christians, I want us to understand that, that even though we, God has given us the truth, that we're surrounded by the world and worldly thinking, God hasn't called us to be belligerent. Okay, you had this group of people back in Jesus' day called the Zealots. And, and even we see a little bit of that coming out in Peter. Remember when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and, and you have Jesus, he's getting ready to be arrested. And so what does Peter do? He said, man, this is all prophesied. Everything's going to, no, he pulls out a knife and he cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. He, he had that, that, in that moment of zealousness, okay? And sometimes I think that, that in our culture today that, that Christians can think, okay, we've got to hit the culture in the face. We've got to, you know, we, you know, if someone doesn't believe the way that I do, you know, it's okay for me to be belligerent. And here's what I would say. It's, we're not called to be belligerent. We're called to be intelligent. And I believe that God gives us his word so that no matter what our emotions are, no matter what we're going through, that we aren't guided by popular opinion. We're not guided even necessarily by our emotions, but that we're guided by God's word. Let me kind of give you an example of something that happened uh, several years ago. I was actually, the other night, I was watching 60 Minutes, okay? And very rarely do I watch, you know, like 2020 or 60 Minutes or anything like that. But something just caught my eye. And, and uh, I think we might actually have a, a, a picture of what I'm getting ready to talk about we can put up here. It's the story of Denise Hudskins and Erin Quinn. And they were on, they were on 60 Minutes because uh, something had happened back in March of 2015. They claimed that a man broke into their home wearing a full body wetsuit 
where he drugged them, blindfolded them, not even like blindfold, you know, like had goggles with black tape on them. And then he, he put headphones on their ears so that they would be listening to something so they couldn't be hearing what he was doing. And, uh, and so he tied up the couple, he put them in a closet. And then, and then later on, he actually kidnaps Denise Hudskins and takes her for a couple days. He, he tells Aaron, don't you dare call the police and actually sets up a camera in the living room. If you call, I'm going to know who you call and when you call. And, 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 and all of this has taken place. Well, the next morning, Aaron doesn't know what to do. And so he calls his brother, who is um, a member of the FBI. And he tells his brother, says, you need to call the police anyway. There's nothing that can happen. Nothing good can happen until you call the police anyway. And so they, you know, after being drugged and all this kind of stuff, his, his, he's been up all night. His mind is kind of, kind of crazy. And so, um, so what happens is he, he calls the police and they send someone over and they bring him in. And before you know, I think we have a picture of this, they begin to talk to him about his story. And before you know it, the tides have turned where he's not saying, okay, this kidnapping has taken place. They're looking at him as the kidnapper. And they're saying, where have you put her? They didn't believe him. They didn't believe any of the story. Guys in wetsuits, they came in, all of this kind of stuff. He was, he was nervous. He, 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 he actually uh, failed the lie detector test. And so everyone is, is looking at him now. Well, lo and behold, as the story goes on, Denise is released in time. And so they come back together and they're, they're telling their story. And, and so as they're telling their story, the Vallejo PD uh, in California believe that this is a hoax. The media gets a hold of it. They think that it's a hoax. And, and they actually begin to say, this couple owes the community an apology. Now, in the midst of all this, the kidnapper, he's, he's, it sounds like a movie. I mean, it sounds just like the script of a movie because the kidnapper is actually a little frustrated, sends an email to a local reporter in San Francisco and says, this is not a hoax, you know, I, I did do this, anonymous email, you know, and you know, but you know how anonymous emails go and so no one paid any attention to it. Three months later, he tried it again to another person. They fought back and, and uh, he wound up running out of that, that particular house, leaving his cell phone. And uh, they wound up, the police wound up catching him. But the whole time that they were telling the truth, it didn't sound real. It didn't sound real. And so popular opinion set in. And so popular opinion was wrong. And nevertheless, they were the ones that were right. Six years later, six years later in 2021, they were actually given an apology by the city and everything. And so as I thought about their story, how two people, and no one was believing the story, I thought about the two people, Paul and Barnabas, and how they are traveling and they are sharing their faith in Christ. And so, um, oh, by the way, we have a picture. Uh, late, later on, Denise and Aaron actually got, they got married and they now have a kid. So we'll put that up there on the screen. And so, uh, so things, things are good. You know, they've had to go through uh, all types of counseling and things like that. But, but nevertheless, um, things have gone well for them. But as I thought about their story, I thought about Paul and Barnabas and how in some cases they would have people believe them. But as we'll see today, that popular opinion was against them violently against them in, in some cases. And so I, I wanted us to see, I think I put this quote there in your notes. It's a quote by Warren Wearsby. And, and I want to relate this particularly to our faith today. And, and this is what he says. He says, the most important thing, 
thing is not what others say. Because other people are gonna say all kinds of things, particularly about our faith, but also other areas of our life. But what do you and I personally say? The decisions of the crowd, whether right or wrong, can never substitute for personal decisions. And, and as I thought about this and I thought about, wow, you know, for us that we need to make sure that in our lives that we aren't just going along with the crowd. It doesn't mean that we have to question every little thing on the sun, but that, we, that, that we're not just uh, skeptical all the time, but that we are guided by our time in God's word. And so we've uh, got a map that we're going to put up here on the screen of the Apostle Paul and and, uh, and Barnabas, and we can see they started out here in Antioch. They went to the island of Cyprus. They've gone up, and uh, we, we talked about last week how they were in Pisidian Antioch, which is up there, and now we're gonna get into these areas of Iconium and Lystra, and those are also on the back of your notes, uh, so you can kind of see. And so today we're gonna see how Paul and Barnabas were sharing their faith, Iconium and Lystra. We're actually gonna look at two separate situations and how folks aren't believing their message in Christ. And we're going to go deep down the rabbit hole. So hang on, uh, hang on to your shoes and let's get going. All right. So we're going to be in, in chapter 14, starting in verse one. It says this, in Iconium, they entered the Jewish synagogue. That was their practice. And as usual, and spoken in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. So there was a good bit of people that actually believed their story. But then you get into verse two and there's a but, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers so that they stayed there a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord and, test and testified to the message of his grace by enabling to do signs and wonders. So you got these guys and they're stirring them up. They're poisoning their minds. The, the popular opinion is trying to sway the ones who have put their faith in, in Christ and the ones that are, that are maybe they're about to believe. And popular opinion is trying to to pull them away. And so now you've got Paul and Barnabas. Now they're doing signs, they're doing wonders. And then we see in verse four, but the people of the city, were now they're divided. Popular opinion is now divided. Some siding with the Jews and others with the apostles. And when an attempt, or, or uh, if you actually go back to the original Greek word, when an assault was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them. They found out about it and left and fled to the Lycaonian towns of Lystra and Derba and to the surrounding countryside. And there they continued to preach the gospel. And so they're gonna go off and into these, to these other places. Now this morning, if, if you've got your notes, I want you to pull those out. They're gonna guide our time together, okay? And I want us to see I want us to go deeper. I really want us to go down the, the rabbit hole and I want us to take some time, especially with this one. The trap, there is a trap of following popular opinion and the trap that we're gonna look at rather than following God's truth. The first thing that I want you to write down is conformity. Conformity, there's a trap when, when the world around us is saying one thing, okay, and that and maybe we just don't want to go against the grain. Maybe we're, we're fearful of, like we talked about last week, of rejection and things like that. And so we are tempted to go along with what the others are saying. We see that the Jews of Iconium, we, we saw this in verses 1 through 4, is that they stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds. I mean, they are, they're not just whispering in their ear. I mean, they are generally trying to stray them from the message of the gospel. And so 
popular opinion can lead to conformity. And sometimes it's not even just conformity. Sometimes it is blind conformity. So we have to be careful to be guided by God's word and his truth. And this is a huge lesson for us to learn. It's absolutely essential that we have to be careful not to conform. And as I've been studying this, guys, the more I study this, the more I see it, not just on this page, I see it all throughout the pages of the scriptures where God's people, God's people are swayed to believe things that God never wanted them to believe. Let me give you just a couple of examples of, of what I'm talking about. Do you remember when the, the, the people of God are getting ready to go into the promised land the first time? You know, so they've come from Mount Sinai, they're at Kadesh Barnea, and they're getting ready to go into the promised land. Well, what happens? They send the 12 spies into the promised land. And when they send the 12 spies into the promised land, they see all types of things. They see great fruit. They see the, the land flowing with milk and honey. They see, uh, they also see walled and fortified cities. They also see the descendants of Anak, which is where we think Goliath came from, nine feet tall, giants, people like that. And so they come back to Moses. Are you ready for this? And 10 say, we can't do this. There's no way we can do this. These guys are huge. There's no way we can do this. And two guys, Caleb and Joshua say, absolutely, we can do this. Let's believe God. Well, what happens? It's all over the pages of scripture. Popular opinion won out. Ten people convinced the whole group to the point, I was reading the story again this week and I was reminded, to the point that they were getting ready to stone Joshua and Caleb. And then they were gonna head back to Egypt, back to their slavery. And God says, I'm not gonna let you do that. You're gonna wander in the desert for 40 years. And so the majority, the popular opinion swayed the people of God. I think of, of uh, fast forwarding and there's some other things, but I just want to give you some, some other highlights. King, um, King Saul, remember the, the first king of Israel, King Saul, and now God, is, God has raised him up. He's the first king and he's given him an assignment to wipe out the Amalekites, all the people, all the animals, I mean, everything that they're just supposed to wipe it out. There was a situation that happened earlier where God was going to judge the Amalekites and so they're going to wipe every, everything out, but Saul chooses not to kill the animals. He says, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll take these and I'll sacrifice them to the Lord. And then he doesn't kill the, the king. And, and so Samuel approaches him and he says, what's this bleeding of animals in my ears? Did you not obey the Lord? And he said, I, I, I did obey the Lord. I did that. And so they kind of go round and round. And then Samuel looks at him and says, God's done with you. He, he can't trust you. And, and Saul comes back and he says, I did it because I was afraid of the people. Peer pressure. He gave in to peer pressure. God looked over him as king and raised up a man after his heart, David, because of peer pressure, because of popular opinion. Let, let, me, just, let me just give you one more. You know, uh, when we go into to even the New Testament in Matthew, you remember that Pilate, he's the governor and, and during this time, they were accustomed at, at the time of this particular feast that, that the people, um, they would release any prisoner that they want. So Pilate stands up and he says, who do you want? Do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? And they say, give us Barabbas. Popular opinion 
one out. And so I personally have been reading my Bible with a brand new lens of how it's everywhere where people go along with popular opinion, listen to me, to their destruction. And so we have to be so careful. This is why in all areas of our life, we have to be tied to the word of God, especially when it comes to salvation, especially when it comes to how to have our sins forgiven, especially how it comes to how do we spend eternity with God? How do we do those things? We have to be so ready to, to hear the word. And I think about, you know, even in, in, in history, like with the, the Gutenberg printing press, so the story of the Gutenberg printing press is you've had, you've got one major institution. It was actually the church who had all the, the Bibles. They had all the books. They had everything and they had to be copied by hand. Well, then the printing press comes out in the 1600s and boom. Now everyone is, now literacy is booming. A lot of people weren't able to read. And now people are actually able to read the Bible for themselves and other books for themselves. And they said, we have been guided by this opinion for so long. They were selling indulgences at one point that you pay money and your loved one gets, gets out of hell. Like, that's nowhere in the scriptures. And now they're looking at this from a, a whole new lens now that they're able to look at it for themselves. And, and I just wanna be honest with you this morning, being swayed by popular opinion of the world, but there's also being swayed by popular opinion that comes from religion. Hear me. Things like the health, wealth, prosperity gospel, is that biblical? Things like religion, I know churches and denominations, listen to me, that still do not encourage their members to read the Bible. They still, you don't need it. You just hear what I have to say. Do you know how dangerous that is? Just believe what we tell you, just say these prayers, just do these religious things and you'll be fine. What are you smoking? Read it for yourself and find out for yourself. Have we not learned from history? And for those of you who have gone through our new members class, uh, you know, when I've been able to teach it, I tell, you, I tell you, listen, if you disagree with something that I say on a Sunday morning or something like that, that's okay. But just be able to back it up with God's word. Just be able to back it up with God's word. So Paul and Barnabas, they're in the city here. They're in Iconium and popular opinion is trying to sway people away. And finally, it comes to this point that, that they're getting ready to be stoned and it almost wins out. And so they, they take off. And then in verse eight, follow with me in verse eight. So now they've gone on to the next city in Lystra. It says in Lystra, a man was sitting who had, was without strength in his feet and had never walked and he'd been lame from birth and he listened as Paul spoke. So I can just kind of, I mean, picture this with me, okay? So you got Paul and, and Barnabas and, and they're speaking in the marketplace and you got a guy who's been lame from birth, okay? Now this wasn't some disease that happened over, you know, a period of time. This is from birth. Okay, he hasn't been able to walk since he was born. And so he's listening to Paul speaking in verse nine. And after looking directly at him and seeing that he had faith to be healed, Paul said in a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And then what happens? 
He's been lame from birth. He stands up, it says that he jumped up and began to walk around. Huge miracle, incredible miracle. So how does, how, how do the people around, how does popular opinion interpret that? This blows my mind. Look at verse 11. It says, when the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they shouted, saying in the Lycaonian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. So they're not recognizing this is the one true God. They're thinking, the other gods have come down in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. If you kind of know, of course, you know, Zeus back in, in, in Greek mythology was the, you know, the, like the, the head god, the leader, and, and Hermes was just like his spokesperson, okay? And so, so, um, but I, I think that it's so funny, even, I, I can imagine Barnabas's eyes getting huge because you know he's kind of like the sidekick he's the assistant and now here they're calling him Zeus you know and so now he is like the king of the gods and 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 I can imagine you know Paul all of this going through their minds and so then look at this it, it goes one step further in verse 13 the priests of Zeus whose temple was just outside the town, look at this, brought bulls and wreaths to the gate because he intended with the crowds, there it is, popular opinion, to offer sacrifices. They're about to offer sacrifices to Paul and to Barnabas. And so how did Paul and Barnabas react? Verse 14, the apostles Barnabas and, and Paul tore their robes. In other words, they're being serious, okay? They're not playing around. So they tore their robes and they heard when they heard this and rushed into the crowd shouting, people, why are you doing these things? We're people also just like you. And we're proclaiming the good news to you that you turn from these worthless things. We're gonna come back to that. To the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their ways, although he did not leave himself without a witness. Now he's talking about the Jewish people, the, the Hebrew people, the Israelites, that was his witness. Since he did what, was, what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling, your, filling you with food and your hearts with joy, is talking about, about God's, God's overall grace. God has overall grace. He gives overall grace to people who do not know him, who violently oppose him. He still gives them rain. He still has, they still have money in their pocket. He still has his grace upon their life. And then in verse 18, it says, even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowd from sacrificing to them. So what's the trap here? So we talk about a trap being conformity, but now I want you to see number two, the trap of following popular opinion rather than God's truth. It's just downright confusion. It's confusion. The crowds have never seen a miracle like this before, and they attributed it to mythological gods. And so... As I think about this, and, and if I could be completely honest, um, you know, we can't, we can't fault them completely because there was a story, if I could give you a little background history, there was a story of a time where Zeus and Hermes did come down to this area and no one paid attention to them. I'll, I'll read it to you. It says, according to legend, Zeus and Hermes once came to the Phrygian hill country. That's where we're talking about here. We're not talking about Athens. We're talking about right where they are. So the Phrygian hill country disguises mortals seeking lodging. 
Though they asked at a thousand homes, none of them were taken in. Finally, a humble cottage of straw and reeds, there was an elderly couple, Philemon and Bacchus, who freely welcomed them with a banquet that strained their poor resources. In appreciation, the gods transformed the cottage into a temple with a golden roof and marble columns. Philemon and Bacchus, they, they, they were appointed the priests and the priestess of the temple, who instead of dying became an oak and a linden tree. And as for the inhospitable people, the gods destroyed all of their houses. So you got to think, this is probably in the back of their mind. So if this is Zeus and Hermes, man, we got to make sure that we do this. And I can see why, the, why Paul and Barnabas are having such a tough time. And they're trying to give this explanation to meet them in this time of confusion. And, and what we see here, it's actually, it's pretty interesting. He explains to them the difference between what is worthless. We see that in verse, uh, in, in verse 14. Verse 15, rather, he says the things that are worthless and the things that are real. Notice that he doesn't go the Jewish route. He doesn't talk about Abraham. He doesn't talk about Moses or any of those guys. He sticks with what they know. God created the world. And so it may not look in our world like we've got these Greek gods, but let me tell you something. Our world around us is still confused. They don't have the Greek mythological gods, but you know what? We still have worldly gods that people are still so confused about. The God of the love of money, the love of possessions. And does that sometimes, popular opinion, doesn't that sometimes seep into our lives? I wish I had more. God, why didn't you give me more? God, why do I have to struggle with this when they don't? See how it just so easily slips in, the God of confusion, God of possessions. What about the God of pleasure and power? All the time, I've gotta be more. And maybe for you, it's not pleasure and power. Maybe for you, it's just being popular. And having someone know my name. That God, that's what the world says. The God of illicit sex or, you know, in our day and age, it was, it was sexual fluidity. And I'm, I'm just gonna go there. People don't know whether or not they're a boy or girl these days. Let's just talk. Is there confusion because people aren't basing their life on God's word? They're just going with popular opinion? Are you kidding me? Seriously? You know, we, we, we turn on the TV and I, you know, I don't want to just hit all the, all the buzzwords and all, all the, you know, the, the flashpoints in our society today, but you know, we turn on the TV and they find some random bacteria on Mars, you know, on some other planet and we find that we have life on another, you know, they say we have life on another planet. Well, then we've got, a, we've got a baby in the womb, but that's not life. When does life start? You know what that is, right? That's bowing down to the false God of convenience. At the end of the day, it doesn't, have to, it doesn't have anything to do with the truth. It has everything to do with convenience. It's the God of convenience, and our world is so confused. And what does God's word say about that? God's word says, before you were even formed in the womb, I knew you. And we could go on and on about the different worldly gods that we have in our, in our day and age. You know, and, and what this makes me think about, the, the other day, I was in, I was in New Orleans, and, and I've lived here 12 years. My, both my babies were born at, at uh, Baptist, you know, Osher Baptist on, on uh, 
um, Claiborne, is that it? Yeah, so both my babies were, were born there, you know? But there are still moments that I drive around the city and I get lost. Has this ever happened to you? Where you're going around the city and, and you're like, I don't know where I am. And it was at night and now, you know, you, you know, I was flipping out. I didn't even know where I was. And so I, I was like, I have no idea where I am. And so I did what we do in this day and age and I pull out my phone and I said, hey Siri, take me home, you know? <laughs> I don't know where I am. And so, and I was just like, take me home. And of course, you know, then it, it, it reroutes and it finds the, the particular path and pattern and whatnot. And I thought about that situation in light of how so many times that we can just, even as Christians, we can be so confused. I was so confused in that moment and I needed something, listen to me, outside of myself to give me direction. How many times how many times are we just, you know, and maybe it's just a man thing where we don't want to ask for directions or whatever, you know, so, but how many times are we like that, that we are not going to ask for direction? We're going to look internally. We're going to call some friends and tell them, you know, okay, but that we need to go to the source itself. And that's exactly what Paul does here. He's ripping his clothes. He's saying, listen, you are so confused. You are so confused. Let me help you to understand what's going on. He starts talking about the God of the universe, how he created them. He gives you food in your belly. He gives you air. He, he's done all of these things. He loves you. He sent his son Jesus for you and he takes them back to the word. He takes them back to something that is outside themselves. But when we follow popular opinion, guys, we can get so confused and led so astray in our lives. And so the last thing that I want us to see this morning as we think about this trap, the trap of following popular opinion rather than God's word. The third one, a little bit harder word, but I want you to know this one, okay? I think it's important that you know this word and understand this word is capriciousness. The trap of following popular opinion rather than God's truth is capriciousness. Okay, Pastor Dan, you were just looking for a C word and you couldn't find one. What, is that, what does that mean? What does that mean? Capriciousness is simply this. It's being wishy-washy. You know, there, there's places, there's places in the, the Bible, James chapter one talks about being double-minded and constantly changing our minds and being blown by a wave of the sea. Now, why did I bring that up? It's because I want you to continue looking in this passage in verse 19. I want you to see the capriciousness. Some Jews, in verse 19, came from Antioch. Now, that's talking about Pisidian Antioch. That's not you know, where Paul and Barnabas started their ministry. This is Pisidian Antioch and Iconium. And when they, and, and they won over the crowds. These are the crowds that are confused. And look at what happens. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. Now, you probably know this. Paul has, you know, two other missionary journeys and then he's headed to Rome. I don't know about you, but, it, you know, if my very first missionary journey, I was stoned and dragged out of the city for dead, I'd be really thinking about, you know, hey, maybe, maybe I should just cool my jets, you know, for a little while. Maybe I should just pack up. So thinking he was dead. And then verse 20, after the disciples gathered around him, they got, they got up. And again, they're so bold and went into the town and then the next day, they left with Barnabas for Derbe. Do you see what happens? In one moment, 
the crowds are ready to worship them. Did you see that? In the other moment, now they're stoning them and they're trying to kill them. When you follow the popular opinion of the crowds, when you follow those things, what happens is you follow along this wishy-washiness. I mean, they were getting ready to sacrifice to them and now they're, they're stoning them. This is what happens. And so as I think about this, you know, we think, well, you know, that was a story in Acts. No, it's not just a story in Acts. This happens all the time. And, it can, and we are in danger of getting in this trap for you and me. Think about what happened to Jesus. When Jesus rides in on a donkey on Palm Sunday, what are the people shouting? They're shouting, Hosanna in the highest, right? This is, you know, when we go through Palm Sunday, it's usually a fun day. Everything's green. We bring in palm branches. It's a lot of fun. Hosanna in the highest. Do you realize that the same crowds that were screaming Hosanna in the highest a week later are the same crowds that are screaming crucify him? Don't miss that. People are easily swayed by popular opinion. And this is why we have to point people to the word of God, his truth. This is our anchor. And as we finish today, I just wanna give you an idea of of what this looks like. And I I hope that we've been able to see that all over scripture, that it's so easy to, to be swayed by popular opinion. One of the things that my wife and I love to do each year is, is our place to go on vacation is the beach. I, I love the beach. We, we recently went to, to Disney World, and that's just not a vacation for me, okay? Like, that's just not, you know, the rides are fun, everything's fun, but, you know, there is no relaxation there whatsoever. And so a lot of times when we need to get away, we, we, you know, we'll go to the beach. And so um, there, was a, there was a season where we were able to get uh, some kayaks and kind of go around in the bay. And so one day, you remember this, we decided to, to bring the kayaks, and, uh, and we were going to take the kayaks and actually bring them to the beach and so this is when pepper was real small and so um so we get up there and we bring them in and we're going out in the water and and you probably know this if you've ever been to the beach but i I start out and i've actually got pepper with me and we're paddling we're having a great time you know we're getting out kind of far you know but because we got the boat you know we're not really scared or anything like that but as time goes by you know we're out there i don't just want to go out and then come back in as time goes by i notice my wife stayed on the beach and i was there in the kayak with pepper and and as time goes by i've noticed that i'm drifting farther and farther from my wife have you ever had this moment and so you have to like pick out like what your umbrella looks like or what you're wearing what your chairs look like on 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 the beach or whatever because what's happening is the tide is taking me um, and, and the waves are taking me further and further. And here's what I understood is that if I was gonna stay in front of her and stay with her instead of drifting, I was gonna have to consistently paddle my kayak just a little bit. Maybe not even a lot, maybe not to the point that I'm, you know, rowing, but that I'm gonna have to consistently paddle my kayak. Ladies and gentlemen, when we aren't in the word of God, when we're not reading it for ourselves and we're just listening to whatever a religious person says or whatever the world says, then if we aren't consistently paddling, 
if we're not consistently reading. I'd encourage every person, put this right by your bed. If you put your Bible right by your bed, when you flip on the light in the morning, then it's right there. You can pick it up, you can read a couple of paragraphs and go throughout your day. I'd encourage anyone to do that. And so here's what I want us to see is that we've got to be tethered to the word because otherwise we will be pulled away. Now, how do we wanna finish this? You've got it in your notes. I want you to see how popular opinion even played in with the gospel. You got there, right there in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. We'll actually put it up here on the screen as well. He, he pitches this idea of popular opinion to his own 12 disciples. And it says this in verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. Jan, you and I were talking about this passage just the other day. We were talking about all the things that are in Caesarea Philippi. He says, who do people say the son of man is? Do you see what he's fishing for? He's fishing for popular opinion. Do, Do you see that? Who do people say that the son of man is? And so they give him the answers. They reply, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But then, and I want you to take this and I want you to make this your question, the question for you as well. In verse 15, Jesus says, but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God.